I am a tangled mess. I am a tangled mess. I actually think that tastes better. Welcome back to the Fierce Females of History podcast, where we tell the stories of women through history that you should know about. I'm Lucy. I'm Erin. And I'm Talissa. Still me, still here. It's always the three of us. It's your girl, (laughs) Talissa. So, Talissa, who have you got for us this week? I am doing an American actress, singer, playwright, screenwriter, comedian, sex symbol, and she had a career that spans seven decades and continues to be a gay icon and is responsible for one of the most iconic lines of all time. Well, when I'm good, I'm very good. When I'm bad, I'm better. <laughs> Her name is Mae West. Yeah. So she's got a lot of iconic lines. That's just one of them. And I'll explain all about that as we go. Mae West, Mae Best. So she wasn't always Mae West. She was actually born Mary Jane West, born August 17, 1893 in Brooklyn, New York. Just realised she's exactly 100 years older than me. Congrats. I know. <laughs> 100 years and two weeks older. Congrats, Congrats to her, obviously. Congrats, obviously. <laughs> yeah. Oh, my God, she's a Leo. Oh, all of this makes sense. Buckle <laughs> into this one. I'm only just figuring this out as we go. Okay. Her mother had immigrated with her family from Bavaria, which is landlocked from Germany. And despite her parents' wishes, she became a corset and a fashion model. This is her mum. Huh. But had a real interest in show business. She belonged on the stage. Exactly. Her father, May, uh, Mary Jane West at this time, for future Mae West. His dad was a prize fighter known as Batlin Jack West. Uh, Batlin Jack. Yeah. He was known for participating in authorised fights and unauthorised fights in the streets. Aren't we all? Yeah. <laughs> and he had some punch-ups at Fight Coney Club. Island Amusement Park. So does Coney, Coney Island still around, isn't it? Yep. Yeah. So, yes, I know it's my story. Um, so he later became a special police officer. <laughs> I'm telling the story. <laughs> um, he became a special police officer, which basically was just like code for muscle. So, like, if they're in a tight situation, big old battling Jack West would come in and they'd... Codename, Muscles. Yes. <laughs> Muscles McGee. Um, so, West... I picture him running around, like, you know how the old school circuses had weightlifters yeah. and they had a moustache yeah. and then they and had a tiny the, little... They had a, they had a moustache, not a moustache, which apparently I say wrong. You do. And one of those... Stripey shirts. Stripey yeah. um, onesies. Yes. Yeah, I Unitard. It. I see that. I run it, him, put him running around well, like that. That's good. Jack. Keep that in your head. doesn't make any difference. Just, just, just keep it there. Just, <laughs> just, just have it. Just and don't share it. That vision. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so Mae West or Mary West began her entertainment, like dipped a toe in the water when she was only three years old by impersonating her family members and friends. And her family thought it was bloody hilarious. So her mum kind of saw, you know, Again, she's a Leo. Um, some star quality in her and <laughs> took her to plays and vaudeville performances and her little mind was completely blown. So she's a bit of a stage mum. Yes. Well, yeah. you'll see. Throughout her entire career, she would reminisce about the acts, dances and characters that she saw that early on. So it really had a lot of impact on her life. Okay. Right. One of those was an African-American name, man named Burt Williams mm-hmm. and he was known for his innuendo and double entendre and basically used that as a mask for his satire and race relations Mm. now vaudeville had some real problems with blackface and with obviously it was very racist in america at that time like not much has changed but yep Mm -hmm. so just keep that in mind so she went and saw this african-american performer he was one of the first two african-american performers at the time so it was quite 
different, but that kind of influenced her as well. So keep that in your head. So May first technically started on stage at age five at a church social and her mum was like, yes, queen. But her dad was a little bit slower to support her because obviously – She's five. Yep. Um, yeah. And also the entertainment business was not even a business yet, really. Yeah. It just was vaudeville and Broadway. That's mm-hmm. it. So her mum was stage mumming her hard and put her into a dance studio two years later. So she's age seven. And she began appearing at amateur nights at local burlesque theatres. Oh. And not long later. That's appropriate. Oh, wait. She went <laughs> under the stage name Baby May, which is appropriate because she was, she was a child. She was an actual baby. Yeah. So, Yikes. yeah, accurate. She entered a competition at one of the clubs and came first and won ten dollars. And her dad was like, "Oh, I get it now. Great, (laughs) this is perfect for you." He's got the dollar signs in his eyes. Exactly, and then became the world's biggest stage dad, supposedly dragging her costume case around performances and sitting in the front row like a proud parent. Oh, bless! While her his daughter did burlesque performances so now she's 14 mm-hmm. and she begins to perform professionally in vaudeville still holding the name baby may um and this is 1907 she's gonna outgrow this name pretty fast yeah yeah kind of but um but maybe you know, not fast enough well baby may doesn't stick around for very long but may does so remember her name's actually mary yeah mary but Jane. she goes by they're may. always mary their real name is always mary meryl streep mary really really yeah meryl streep's real name is mary Really? Really. Wow, that's not what I expected. And obviously she's the only other person that matters, so it's always Mary. (laughs) (laughs) So Wes act at the time again she's 14 was a subtle spoof on the innocence of children so she'd wear a pink and green satin dress with a large white hat and pink satin bow super cutesy but then sing really popular sexual songs oh which took the audience by surprise and it was funny was it funny well in the con uh, you know what we weren't yep. there yep. but i'm gonna say <laughs> sexualizing children never very funny at all. Ah, no. history no. the audience found it hilarious because they didn't see it coming i guess that's the difference it's not mm-hmm. that sexualizing children it's more like you know when you hear a kid swear yeah and it's really funny and it's all yeah. it's, it's like it's shocking you into humor yeah what was it it's um, like that my colleague has a toddler and um she was driving the toddler to preschool this little kid has obviously picked this up somewhere they're in a traffic jam well the car in front of them is stopped and it's not going anywhere and this little three-year-old kid has gone Move, dickhead! <laughs> in a deep voice, as well. apparently so. That's how everyone everyone says it. Move, dickhead! <laughs> That's amazing. I have a story similar. Yes, my siblings were in the back of my mum's car. I've got twin siblings who were ten years younger, so little kids, kindergarten, let's say. And my brother was like, "You're silly," and my sister was like, "Well, you're a bum," and my brother's like, "Well, you're a poo poo," and then my sister's like, "Well, you're a." <gasps> See you next Tuesday. See you next Tuesday. What? My mum's reached around, grabbed her leg, and she's like, What did you just say? She's pulling over. Like, my mum is having like a full on breakdown. And she's like, What? And my sister didn't know it was a bad word. She heard a kid at school say it and Whoa. thought it was just like saying stupid or idiot. Because she knew it was naughty, had no idea the context. And I just thought it was one of the happiest moments of my life. I was <laughs> laughing so much. <laughs> So she was watching a lot of vaudeville, performing in a lot of vaudeville, and she was said to be inspired by two male performers in particular, Bert Savoy and Julian Etlinge, I think he's pronounced, who were very famous female impersonators. Oh. It was illegal to do and people were arrested for it, illegal but it was kind of like, yeah, like the OG drag. 
It was OG Drag Queens. So she liked um, she liked that. She saw how funny and entertaining and, and kind of groundbreaking, but didn't realise the context of it, obviously, but something different. And she kind of took that on board. So she liked to break the rules with her singing and dancing from an early age and she was watching other people do it in really big ways as well. So she performed under various personas herself, including a male character oh. when she was just a teenager. So she was like a drag king kind of. Interesting. Amazing. Yeah. So she was on the vaudeville circuit for a number of years. Um, and in one of them, she did a takeoff of Tom Sawyer, where she wrote the wife's character to be more spunky. Um, so gave it more grit and more comedy and made it a funnier role than yeah. the original role. And that's kind of where she starts tweaking things to suit her a bit more. Work became slow and she would do burlesque performances instead, which would allow her to up her performance game because it's a very different stage. Yeah. And a few years later, she meets an up and coming vaudeville song and dance man named Frank Wallace. Frank and May made an act together and started touring with a vaudeville company around the country. And they went to the far west, which was away from mummy and daddy, mm-hmm. dearest. And it said that he proposed marriage a number of times, but she was like, nah, I'm kind of sleeping with everyone on the tour circuit with me. Right. She was well known for her sex life. Okay. She just was free and liberated and just having a great old time. Good yeah. But one of the older tour members sat her down and was like, look, all good, all G, but you're, what you're doing is a sin. And if you end up pregnant and out of wedlock, that's going to look bad. So I think you should say yes to his proposal next time he asks. Oh, okay, cool. No worries. I'll and live she- my life by you. <laughs> and she does. <laughs> okay. Mm. In 1911, when she's 17 years old, she lies on the certificate saying she's 18 because it was illegal. Okay. But that's not the only lie she tells. She actually just doesn't tell anyone she's gotten married, not even her parents. Okay. And fun fact, no one finds out she's married until 24 years later (laughs) when a PR representative is going through old paperwork and finds a certificate. She married in secret. Wow. She also comes home after the summer and goes, nah, over it, see ya, and breaks up with him. Right. Really? So she's just got a certificate sitting around somewhere and no relationship with this man ever again. Yeah, okay. So that's kind of sets the tone for her relationships. She was always, um, yeah, as I said before, she was really known for her liberated sex life. Mm-hmm. Before I go on to the next stage, which is from vaudeville to Broadway, I do have to talk about Board something. To broad. Yes. May often performed in blackface. So for anyone who's living under a rock, blackface is a term used to describe a form of theatrical makeup used by predominantly at the time non-black performers, although there were some that were black as well, to represent a caricature of a black person performing racial stereotypes of black people. Mm -hmm. She was really well known for it. For all the cool things she did, she does need to be called out for this. She is a product of her time, obviously, but not acceptable. So just... She, as we always say, she's complex. She had made mistakes. Mm-hmm. She did the wrong thing. And this is just one of those times where there's no excuse for it. She should have done it. Yeah. Yep. Noted. Yeah. Okay. So she's performing in vaudeville. She's very out there. She's pretty young. She turns 18. And in 1911, her dance teacher puts it forward for her first Broadway show, which is a flop. It only goes for eight weeks. Oh, I was like, which one? <laughs> <laughs> you wouldn't know it. Um, but in that time, the New York Times sees her and writes an article. They're pleased by her t- grotesquerie and snappy way of singing and dancing. Oh. And that kind of kicks off her Broadway career. Wow. So to speak. Yeah. Yeah. High <laughs> kicks off it. Um, Fan kicks off it. <laughs> Hitch kicks Hitch off kick. it. Oh, nice. Thank you. I can't contribute to this one at all. You did kickboxing. Surely there's a kick word oh, in that. Yeah, yeah. Head kick. Dangerous. 
Nice. Yeah. You get it. <laughs> so she performs in a number of Broadway shows. None of them I'd ever heard of. Her mum's like, yeah, yes, <laughs> you're amazing. <laughs> um, she's reported to have said that anything top. May did was fantastic. Obviously. And her yeah. dad's family hated it. They didn't approve of her career or her choices. They were heavily Catholic. And she was a very controversial performer with the things that she did. Yeah. yeah. She very was sexualized. Quote, unquote, vulgar. Exactly. Yes. Great I don't know word. who I'm quoting on quoting, but... <laughs> But you are. Grotesquery. So she kept on singing, dancing, and literally shimmied her way into a show called Sometime in 1918. And when I say shimmied, I mean literally. I can imagine. Her role in that show was to dance the shimmy, and it was an iconic moment for her. Her photograph was used on the sheet music for the popular number. Now, I know you guys are going to know this song, but I'm going to play it just in case. Everybody shimmies now. And this is the song. Everybody Oh, classic. <laughs> I know, I was just listening to it on the way over. It sounds like every single speakeasy's music. <laughs> like background. Yeah. You, you go downstairs in Wynyard and then it's like, oh, it's the shimmy song. Yes. And everyone's drinking whiskey. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I can't see the shimmy. You go up to a DJ, I bet you got the shimmy song. Have you got everybody shimmies? <laughs> everybody shimmies now. It's missing a lot of letters with an apostrophe. Everybody. But like other things, there are some problematic problems with this. So... Two years later, Mae West doing the shimmy, it becomes so popular that it's now banned from dance halls because it was considered obscene to those in power. quote unquote. So I should add here that May attributes the shimmy to something she saw at black night spots, but there are earlier claims which suggest it was part of Native American culture and there are also claims it comes from other parts of the world as well. But it's good to note here that she even says herself she didn't invent this dance move. It's appropriated from yeah. other cultures. Yeah. She brought it to the math- masses. It was given and then taken away. And the masses loved it. Yeah, they loved it too much and then they were like, no, it's obscene. No more shimmy. Like straight out of um, Footloose. <laughs> Pretty if much. they could do that with twerking. Just kidding. Everyone loves it to work. Well, it's appropriated. What so do you mean wrong. dancing's outlawed? <laughs> Footloose. <laughs> okay, moving on. She acted in a few quick roles in succession on Broadway and there were claims that they, she often shaped the role and tailored it to her quick wit pers- personality and her, you know, use of innuendo. So she kind of tailored it to her style of comedy. She's just grabbing a red pen going, love what you've done with this. I'm just going to make some slight adjustments <laughs> to literally everything she did. Constructive yes. criticism. <laughs> and so she's super successful in performing other people's work, but she's like, you know what? I actually some have some original ideas. And she begins writing under the name, pen name, Jane Mast. Now, in an interview, they said, why did you do that? Why not put Mae West? Jane Mask. Jane Mast. Like a mast on a mast. boat. Okay. Sorry, I thought I it was speak. Jane Masked. And I was that like, would make way more sense. Yeah. She did that because she's like, well, I can't produce, <laughs> create, write and star in it. It's got to be someone else's name on the, on the poster. <laughs> and that's literally why she had a pen name. That's really? Yeah. I love that. How modest. Yeah. I love that. I kind of hate it though. Because it's like, own it. Yeah, totally. Yeah. Yeah. Well, they knew everyone it was her. nowadays. Everyone is a slashy. It's yeah. true. Entrepreneur, influenza, uh, <laughs> brand ambassador. Yeah. Use my promo code. Uh, that's all the slashies. Well, she was the original of that. podcaster. Lol. <laughs> <laughs> so at the age of thirty-three, which is a lot older than other people, she gets her starring role on Broadway, where she writes, produces, and directs in her own play, and it's called Sex. Wow, I'm sold. 
Sex is about Margie Lamont, who's a prostitute and befriends a naval officer who suggests she should entertain rich sailors and make that money, honey. Drama ensues and Margie ends up making the money. Then she meets this guy who's a millionaire, but she won't, he won't introduce her to anyone when she reveals what she actually does. And then she ends up leaving the guy for the original naval officer to live in Australia. Really? Oh, yeah. And that description is like the official description for the, the play. play? Yeah. Because yeah. obviously the they called, they used the term prostitute. Well, this was the whole thing. So yeah. she was like apparently inspired. She saw a sex worker walking down the street. She's obviously used the term prostitute given the yeah, time. Yeah. Yep. We obviously we use sex worker now. Yeah. And she thought wouldn't it be great if that person was able to climb through society and reach the top? And a lot of her work is that. It's pretty like Pretty Woman. woman. 100%. But except she ends up leaving the guy woman. at the end. She writes a play about a sex worker at the time she uses the word prostitute. I should clarify that. She puts it to Broadway mm-hmm. and the New Yorker describes it as street sweepings. The Times, New York Times, describes it as a crude, inept play cheaply produced and poorly acted she played margie in case you couldn't tell she was a star obviously the paper's review did talk about a love scene and warned patrons who could not stand excitement need to see a doctor before visiting may west oh as if that would make you want to go like wow don't touch that or you'll get in trouble (laughs) obviously you're gonna touch it and it's sexy don't look at it don't touch yourself while you're watching (laughs) i'm gonna touch myself while i'm watching (laughs) except you're in broadway with public so probably don't do any public go home and think about it yeah 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 (laughs) I'm not sure critics hated it because they were snobby or prudes, but in in, in this case, it was any publicity is good publicity and people bloody loved it. It had the the longest run of any show at that season at that time. Iconic. Yeah, it's not the longest in history, but at that time, it was the most successful of that kind of season. The longest in history, is that Cats or is that Phantom? God, Cats. I feel like it might be Cats. I haven't seen either. Phantom is pretty old. I feel like, yeah, it was Cats or Phantom had the mm. longest Broadway. Or like it was always somewhere around the world. It was always being. Do you know what should be the next one? Alexander Hamilton. I think it might be. I love it. Problems in it? Yes, but I love it. There's problems in Cats and Phantom of the Opera and it's got nothing to do with the storyline. <laughs> <laughs> Phantom of the Opera is good. Cats Phantom is, of the opera Cats is, is something else though. Yeah. Cats is just a fever dream. I don't <laughs> like it. <laughs> So sex, the play (laughs) from Broadway. Back to that. Back to that, yes. The New York City mayor goes on holidays and the acting mayor is like, I am not throwing away my shot. (laughs) Oh, my God. So he decides to raid three risque shows, but sex is his primary target. The show had been running for 10 months at that point, had 325,000 people see it, over 339 performances. So the play is raided May West and a large number of her cast members are arrested. She pays the $14,000 needed to bail herself and her company of actors out of jail. Mm -hmm. And the court kind of says to her, look, if you stop it right now, stop the show, never talk about the show, show doesn't exist, (laughs) nor sex, (laughs) then we'll drop it. It's fine. Don't worry. Don't even worry about it. And she's like, "Mm, no. (laughs) So Bite me. uh, Yeah. So she takes them to court. Instead, it went to trial and the grand jury described the play as wicked, lewd, scandalous, bawdy, obscene, indecent, infamous, immoral and impure. And it's said to endanger the morals of youth and 
she was sent to jail for 10 days. Ugh, drama. She had to pay a $500 fine, but don't worry, she travelled there in style. She had a garland of roses. She was wearing silk underwear and riding in a limousine on the way into prison. Amazing. (laughs) She's like, well, if I'm going to go, I'm going to do it well. (laughs) Exactly. She was released two days early for good behaviour, so she only served eight days. Amazing. And during her time in prison, she was said to have had dinner with the warden and his wife on many occasions. I can imagine. (laughs) So that's fun. Yeah. On her exit of prison, Liberty Magazine paid her $1,000 for an exclusive interview. (laughs) Um, So she really turned it around. Yeah. Yeah. She pivoted. As we said, as you said, any publicity is good publicity. Exactly. And And it's still true today. And the whole internet does nothing but promote her career further. So she starts becoming a lot more famous at this point. She writes and directs another play. It's called The Drag, which is subtitled A Homosexual Comedy. It's in three acts. Um, About the cost of living a secret life is how she put it. So the hero of the play is a closeted gay socialite who's in a loveless marriage with a woman. Um, She says the play was inspired by many of her gay friends. She knew their dad. Ali struggles to be open about their relationships and accepted for who they were. And when casting the play, she went out of her way to find gay actors. Um, she held auditions in Greenwich Village where throwback Greenwich Village. What is that? The home of the Stonewall Riots. It is. Yes. This is awesome. Yeah. Just quickly, when you said the introduction and you said the cost of living, I was like, that's fascinating. So she's done <laughs> like finance a financial journal analysis of you know the different costs of living a homosexual life in three stages as anyway no 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 it's not um, not exactly the what it emotional was. Toll yeah 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 it wasn't exactly it wasn't like you you're gonna need to pay the singles tax your whole life because they're not going to see you as a couple yeah we get it you work in finance <laughs> thanks oh, i should also add obviously at this stage this part's not funny homosexuality was illegal i think of that's course. pretty obvious um because people were fucked but that's why she's so but there's always a but. Oh, okay. okay, so I heard – I've been listening to some stuff on her and I heard them say that later on she – she wasn't completely homophobic but her sentiment wasn't great because she says that she was trying to imply the difficulties of it because it was something that they should not do. Uh, okay. So I don't know which one's true but it's important to point that out. Yeah, I think. definitely. Okay. I'm not sure the truth and I'd known – She's passed, so we're never going to know. Um, but the play did well in Connecticut where it was started. And then it was smash hit in two other places, including New Jersey. And Variety called it an inexpressible, brutal, vulgar attempt to capitalise on a dirty matter for profit, which sounds like a great weekend. Um, <laughs> Signed me up. <laughs> One producer of Broadway said it was the worst possible play they'd ever seen. It strikes at the heart of indecency. And when... May West announced the play would be coming to Broadway in New York. The Society for the Prevention of Vice intervened and vowed they would do everything in their power to ban it. Picking up on a little bit of jealousy here. <laughs> a little. The Society was a state-chartered organisation originally started by supporters of the YMCA in 1873 for context. So their job was to be like, you're being d- disgusting to Jesus, stop it. Yes. Stop it. Just just stop it. Stop it. Stop. Go home. Please just stop it. Go home. Think about what you've done. (laughs) Exactly. Um, So supervising the morality of the public and monitoring compliance with the state laws. And state laws at the time uh, were hectic when it came to what you could and couldn't say. And obviously there were differences for what men could say as versus women. These guys sound literally like the fun police. That's literally their job. Yeah. Yeah. So West decided not to tempt fate again because she's like, I can't be bothered to do the whole court jail thing right now. But don't worry, it happens again. So she keeps a play out of New York 
And she says the audiences were too childlike to face grown-up problems of homosexuals. Mm-hmm. So again, it's just kind of like where's she coming from? What she where's she getting? And at? no one really fully knows. But the thing is, she is a gay icon. Like yeah. she, I mean, I knew of her from Drag Race. That's why I first first found her. Alaska, um, Thunder Five Thousand does her for Snatch Game, which is where they impersonate a woman mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. play like a game show. Mm-hmm. And that's where I found her. So there are a lot of blogs and a lot of people online who are from the LGBTQIA plus community saying that she was a real positive influence. Yeah. And there are also some that are like, mm, she said this and I just don't know if yeah. that's quite what we agree yeah. with. Uh, yeah, yeah. So again, something to keep in mind. She rewrote the play years later called The Pleasure Man and sanitized it by making the lead character straight, but they still were like, um, it's too explicit. Can you not? So, like sex, Pleasure Man eventually landed her in court too, but I don't think she served any further jail time. She continued to write plays over the next several years. Um, they had adult subject matter, in quotes, and sexual innuendo. So, just plots that were a bit, you know, left of centre, perhaps. Yeah. The story is that when they learnt the plays, the actors would have to learn two versions of the script. One for a regular audience night yeah. and another for when they'd been tipped off that authorities would be there. <laughs> yeah, okay. And they would clean up their yeah. dialogue a bit. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It made it more infamous. People wanted to see the dirty version. People 100%. wanted to hear how disgusting this woman was and how disgusting the words coming out of her mouth were. So it literally just drummed up more fame. Mm. And that happened through her entire career. Wow. It's pretty cool. That's what I mean. It's like saying it's, don't go there. It's Don't touch the red button. Yeah, don't touch the red button. <laughs> yeah. You've got to fucking touch the red button. I know. So in 1832, Hollywood began to take notice of West's performances and talent and that year she was offered a motion picture contract by Paramount Pictures. She was 38 years old. Yes. Which, in our standards, 38, sure. In Hollywood standards... 68. Exactly. And in Hollywood yeah, standards... you're playing the grandmothers. Exactly. In 1932, they weren't even in the bloody films because they they were too old exactly they were ghosts on the side stage and it was kind of a unique position to put her in because it's an unusual lay age to start a film career especially for women as we know well there's still time ladies yeah (laughs) yes exactly but she wasn't just playing like the grandma or the mum she was playing a sexy harlot and pretty much all the films she ever did She's were men fawning over her and wanting to be with her at 38 years old, which had never been done respect. before. Yeah. Yeah. Respect. I respect that. The first film she did was called Night After Night. She had a small role, but she was allowed to rewrite the scenes to make her feel more comfortable in the performance style and make it more like her own style. And in 1933, she'd done, done him wrong. She was able to bring one of her original characters that she'd done in theatre and in vaudeville to the silver screen. The film was nominated for an Academy Award for Best Picture. Wow. And that kind of starts her Hollywood stardom. It's actually the film that's attributed to saving Paramount Pictures from bankruptcy. A 38-year-old woman doing what she does best and what makes her who she is, that she has been nothing but criticised for her whole life. And she's fucking saved Paramount. I know. It's cool. Fist pump. (laughs) She starts getting a bit of a reputation. So there's lots of different stories about her. Here are my two favourites. Um, apparently, one night she was being driven somewhere and she had $20,000 worth of jewellery stolen off her person because she was wearing $20,000 dollars worth of jewellery. Okay. Mm-hmm. Casual night out. Yeah. Um, and again, remember, this is like in the early 1900s. Mm-hmm. And apparently she found out her driver was in cahoots with like um, the group that 
robbed her. And so she convinced the DA to give her two bodyguards, two big muscly men to protect her, who obviously she started having an affair with because she's Mae West. And the other one is she talks about dating these two men pretty much at the same time. And she talks about having sex with them 22 times in one night, which I think is very impressive. Or that she could keep track that precisely. That's a lot. So <laughs> it makes me tired thinking about it. But cool, same. Right? <laughs> um, wow. She went on to become the highest paid star of the era and she was the second highest paid person in the US behind publisher William Randolph Hearst. Remember Hearst? I'll go back to him. Okay. 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 Hearst is the name. So um, even more impressive was, wasn't the money. It wasn't the fame. It wasn't success. It was the fact that she had so much control over her career. The breezy, broady broady characters that she played were part of her own design. And they came from her mind and her creativity. And she negotiated with Paramount to let her write her own lines, regardless of what movie that came to her. Yeah. Mm -hmm. But the motion picture production code um, who were the organisation that had the power to pre-approve films before they went out, mm-hmm. uh, just didn't like her at all. And from the start... Because they couldn't control yes, her. Um, from the start, they started culling and censoring a lot of her one-liners and her innuendo. So she was like, you want to cut them out? Fine. So she started putting double the amount in, knowing full well they couldn't cut it all. They had to leave some. <laughs> and she started using like double entendre. So they didn't... It confused them. They didn't know if she was being sexual or if she was just describing something. Right. Like she was got really clever with her writing style. So it sounded – if you read it on paper, it sounded really innocent. But if you saw her perform it, you knew there was a sexuality to it. It's all in the delivery, yeah. baby. Exactly. Um, so she upped the innuendos in the script – and she then in 1936 starred in a film called Klondike Annie, which was all about religion and hypocrisy. And the guy I mentioned before, Hurst, was apparently so disgusted, um, he stopped any stories or ads for the film being in his papers. So he was like, game on, mole, no more of you, and did everything in his power to shut her projects down. The film did well at the box office despite this and is considered the high point of West's career, but it kind of hit a slow point pretty well after that. She was trying to get these movies up. The censors were battling her and it basically became more work than it was worth. And it was taking – she had control for all these years and then she was losing control of her own characters in film. She did a sketch on radio and she had risque humour through the whole thing. The NBC who ran the show received letters calling it immoral and obscene and and groups were disgusted in it. The NBC, instead of defending her and the hosts, they put all the blame on her and she was never allowed to go on one of their radio shows again. That's great. She still added one more box office smash to her name. Um, She's at age 50 now and she's still playing the same characters as before. (laughs) Um, But she won't return to the screens again until 1970 after that. So she went back to where she started. She started doing performances at nightclubs, singing and dancing, which was just her singing with a group of muscle men around her. Iconic. (laughs) Fawning over her. This is in the 40s. Um, And she wrote her best-selling autobiography called Goodness Had Nothing to Do With It. She recorded albums, including a Christmas album. Oh, oh nice. Which I'm was thinking a, there's a lot of, um, yeah. I saw mummy kissing Santa Claus. Oh, Santa baby. Baby. Santa baby. It was more of an innuendo than a religious celebration. That's how it's been described. Okay. Um, it was more of a parody on religion, actually. Ah. And her last film was called Sexette, which she wrote 
and she starred in. And the critics hated it, but it became a cult classic. And that is kind of one of the things she's most well known for is sex ed. Mm -hmm. At the age of 88, she suffers a stroke and she does eventually pass on from that. Mm -hmm. She isn't really able ever to be healthy again after that point but her legend lives on there was a play written about her called dirty blonde in 1999 which had huge success and as i said drag race fans got to see her in snatch game the coca-cola bottle every time you drink out of it thank may west for its shape so she had quite a buxom body that's how people described her she's quite curvaceous and apparently the design of the coca-cola bottle was based on her Uh, fun fact what yeah like the OG glass bottles. Yeah. That's amazing. I know. Based on her um, hourglass figure. That's hectic. She was super controversial, but she was a pioneer pushing for the censors to fuck off. And um, <laughs> quite frankly, <laughs> yeah. that's my note. Just stop it. Stop. <laughs> just stop. And she didn't like how they were controlling art. She was funny and she was glamorous and she was sexually liberated and she never backed down to the censors or authority. Mm. She's fierce, baby. She's, She's awesome. Fierce. fierce and fucking fabulous. Well, that sadly brings us to the end of another epic episode of Fierce Females of History Fabulous podcast. Episode. If I do say so myself. And myself. And myself. We're everywhere. How can you contact us, Talissa? Well, you can email us, uh, fiercefemalesofhistory at gmail.com. Feel free to let us know if there's someone in your life or a woman through history that you think we should cover in an episode. Also, while you're listening today, swipe down a little bit, scroll down, Leave us a review. I recommend five stars. No pressure. Um, but it helps more people hear about these women, which is 100%. Cool. That's what's important about I mean, really, five, five stars, stars only. Sorry, if you're not going to give us five stars. Like, <laughs> five stars or bust. Go on, Show guys. On. Like, let's, let's seriously think about the message <laughs> we're putting out to the people. And it's not just about us. It's about getting the stories out there. Exactly. That's important. Um, otherwise, you can go on Instagram. Find us at Fierce Females Podcast or Facebook, Fierce Females of History. Or you can send us two letters. Um, one can be the clean version that, that's okay if it's intercepted by the police the other one can include all of the innuendo and the dirty jokes that you want because <laughs> we'll read both we'll read both <laughs> <laughs>